Welcome back, Crusaders, to the Nerd Crusade Podcast. This is episode number 37. I'm your host, Ian, and with me always is Courtney. Hello. This week, we're talking about basically nothing but TV. We had a bunch of shows hit their finales this week, and a few shows uh, start up uh, this week as well. So we'll jump right into it, and we'll start off with probably the weakest of everything, uh, the Ahsoka finale. Yay, it's um, over. Yeah, as we talked to seeing some of our friends, uh, it felt like... A prequel, or a prequel to something, or a, a season six of uh, Rebels. Yeah, because uh, basically, like, or whatever season it's supposed to be. For as Rebels. we've been saying all through our discussions, this like this is not an Ahsoka show because it's not about Ahsoka; it's about the Rebels characters. Yeah, because <laughs> um, Ahsoka has like very little character growth throughout this whole thing. So maybe two episodes that focus on her. The most of it's about Sabine, who's probably the weakest Mandalorian we've seen in compared to all the other Mandalorians, uh, and that includes like Jango Fett, Boba Fett, the Mandalorian. Uh, Bo-Katan, the Armorer, the Mandalorian tribe. Everyone there are good warriors. Sabine sucks at using every weapon she she touches, basically. Yeah. Like, she does not get anything done. In... But she's also the worst character of the whole show. She doesn't even get reprimanded for any of her actions. Like, her actions have zero Consequence. consequences or reaction. Yeah, and you and our friends are saying, like, it's not just us who are like, we hope Sabine dies in this episode. Other people who we know are like, yeah, she's a terrible character. I hope she gets, gets killed. And spoiler <laughs> alert, she doesn't. Of course not, because she's the main character in this. It should have been called Sabine. Or what Rebels. it should have called is Rebels, the search for Ezra, Ezra or what have you. Yeah, because like... The reason why it definitely feels like a prequel is because by the end of this first season, we're wanting Thrawn to win, which he does. He gets, he escapes. He does what he sets out to do and succeeds. Same with... <clears throat> Same with uh, the mercenaries. Everybody, yeah. all the bad guys in this show were successful in their missions. It's all the good guys who are failing at everything. And by the end <laughs> of all this, and after all like the fighting and whatnot, we end up with... Um, Sabine and Ahsoka trapped on the planet, and Ezra has snuck aboard the uh, Star Destroyer and is going back to the regular galaxy. Yep. Um, so, like, we traded a war tra- a war veteran Jedi and a meh Mandal- a weak ass Mandalorian for a Jedi in training who was isolated for ten years. Yeah. And it's kind of like I don't want to fight, but then. That's kind of because like episode the episode prior he was like I don't want the lightsaber, I don't he, want to fight, and he showed a really cool, interesting like monk. cool monk fighting technique with the force, which would have been great to see more of that this episode. But they're like, no, he's <coughs> going to make a lightsaber and use that this episode. So it kind of defeats yeah, he, his character growth. And what made him so special in this show. Yeah, he immediately just builds a lightsaber, so he's immediately like back to how Ezra was before he left then. Yeah. Which is kind of a weird choice. It's like a step backwards, Yeah, in my opinion. Um, the rumors are is that they're going to go with making a movie, mm-hmm. which will be kind of weird. And I, I question this, how successful it will be, considering all the movies up to this point have fit in with the movie's timelines. Yes. This would be the first movie spinoff 
that has nothing to do with the Skywalker timeline whatsoever. Yeah. It's gonna it's gonna be taking place between before the Force Awakens. Um, so this is a threat that Thrawn's gonna be a threat that comes up that has to be taken down. In order for the First Order to rise up, yeah, then? Or, yeah, for or for the First Order to rise up, which. The only way to do it is that they have to keep it completely like a one-shot and not reference any of the other movies, mm-hmm. except, or any of the other future movies in this timeline, but I'm sure they're going to make a reference to however this, ha- whatever happens to Thrawn leads to the First Order. Right. Um, because they're going to end up wanting to connect them. I think it'd be better if they just left it completely separate, mm-hmm. um, but Hollywood's not going to do that. <laughs> I can oh, see no. Them, I can see them fucking that up. But, I mean, again... This show will be good once the rest of the story is told. You're like, yeah, here's the prequel to this badass, cool story that's happening here. But, like, the pacing of this show as a whole was very slow. It was very wonky. It should not have been called Ahsoka. He had no idea what the fuck was going on or why things were happening. And they did a complete waste of actors. Oh, yeah. um, Because the uh, villain gal... who is she here? Who played Mor- uh, Morgan? Diana Lee S. Sinato is was somebody who apparently was being uh, was learning under like Bruce Lee's type of uh, train- teachings, teachings and trainings. Uh, yeah. So she's a she's the goddaughter of Bruce Lee. Thank you. Yeah. So she has good martial arts training, and her fight with Ahsoka was really weak because. One, we already saw Ahsoka beat her in Mandalorian. Yes. And that fight was done, was done a lot better. This was like, hey, look, you're given a magic sword. And we're and even at that point, I'm like, a magic sword's not going to help her beat Ahsoka. Ahsoka's already kicked her ass once. Yeah. And all she got out of that was she broke one of Ahsoka's lightsabers. <laughs> yeah. And then and then ends up getting uh, killed. It was just a complete waste of, like, you should let this person shine with her martial arts ability. I know she's not... Uh, super young anymore, but she can still uh, kick the best. I mean, look at Michelle Yo, she's like almost she's in her 70s. almost 70s and she kicks yeah. ass. So, I mean, I feel like it was a waste uh, of, of an the, actress, of an actress and her, and her skill. Yeah, and as we said before, the storytelling of Haikal, she found out the Night Mothers uh, had Thrawn and how they could find him. Would have been better explained, like in the first episode, and through her and, eyes, and through her eyes, rather than here's episode six. We're going to explain all the things that made no sense up till now, which is like we're more than halfway through your series, dude, and we and we don't know why anything, why if anything of importance <clears throat> is happening, yeah, or why we should even care. <clears throat> Again, it's also like a lot of like cartoon logic. Yeah, that's what really hurt this was yeah. cartoon logic, cartoon pacing. It it definitely needed several Passovers with the script, and it should not have been called Ahsoka. It and honestly, uh, like anytime you have a military format, whether it's a fictional one or a real life one, hire somebody from the fucking military to be a consultant. Yeah, at least like you understand how rank works. Where one captain is not going to tell another captain that. He has to obey her orders when he's following the orders of a general. Mm-hmm. All right, like however you want to set up how their government works, you got to make make sure that makes sense. Unless and if you're gonna change it, you have to specifically outline why how it's different than what we know as military. I mean, you don't even have to be 
a military veteran, just even a military brat or somebody who knows anything about the military knows that how rank was called in the show is way off. And it's like, wow, these people know nothing about the military or how rank works. I think the biggest issue was how rank works, because that just went right out the window. It's whoever had the biggest ship apparently has more ranking. Yeah, I'm listening to to Congress is like, that's not how this works. That doesn't work. It's like I'm listening to the general until the general has been officially removed from their post. I keep follow their orders and not get reprimanded for it. So like that's that's the thing that doesn't make any sense is that. They clearly make these shows, and they want to show a military standpoint, and they don't do any study. I mean, even the basics of Star Trek still follow what rank means. And even as, like, Lucy Goosey as, like, Lower Decks can be of their animated uh, show, they still follow rank perfectly fine, where it makes sense. So it's like, this isn't a hard thing to hire a consultant or even, you know... Watch one or two real military movies, and you'll see how rank works. I don't know why they keep dropping the ball. Or pull up a a Wikipedia page on rankings in the military, and you can understand it. But anyways. Sucka's over. Um, We'll see if they do a season two or if this rolls into a movie. I think the movie would be weird and be like a poor choice, because I don't think it would make a ton of money. Um, People are burnt out on Star Wars and superheroes, so like... Mm-hmm. It's not gonna. I don't think another Star Wars movie will do great unless yeah. it's completely standalone. It, yeah, because if they try to have it <coughs> be tied into this show, because you have people that will only watch the movies and not any of the shows, so it will come into is like, well, who the fuck's this? What's going on? It's like, oh, you had to watch Rebels and then watch this. It's like a lot of people aren't going to sit through that. Yeah, and I would say it's going to be harder to sit down and watch Rebels because that's a show made for children versus shows made for adults or right. or teenage to adult. Um, it's a little bit more easy digestible since it's all kind of considered the same medium. It's all visual media to just you know, all you have to do is take the time to watch it. Um, unlike other stuff I've complained about where like, hey, we'll put half the story in a book, the other half in a comic book, and then let's continue in the video game and then not have like any... But who hasn't read everything or done everything understand what's going on. Yeah. Um, with the, with this, we'll have to see where we go. It sounds like from what our friends are telling us is that <clears throat> they might be trying to build to an end game type moment where they go and they bring the Mandalorian into it, Groku into it, and all these other Star Wars shows that take place at the same time frame bring those characters together for some big conflict. So maybe. They're the trying to is, do an Avengers. Moment. Yeah, Avengers Endgame, where they're going to try and bring everybody together, maybe to defeat Throng. I guess. That might work, but like, who's going to be your main character? Because more people would probably root for the Mandalorian, since he's already taken over, took over Boba Fett's show. Right. Um, and he, and I think he's probably way more popular than Ahsoka is. Oh, 100%. <clears throat> At this point, he is more popular because he also has Grogu. And everyone yeah. loves Grogu. And even uh, Bo-Katan and the Mandalorian tribe as a whole is more interesting than Sabine and Ahsoka are right now. So, I mean, yeah, they could bring all that together, but I feel like it would just be like, hey, look, they're trying to do the Marvel thing. Like, the reason why I worked with Marvel is because they did it well, and they did it, and they mm-hmm. they built it up so much to the point like everybody's like when's it gonna happen when's it gonna happen when's it gonna happen yeah they built up the arc really well and then when it finally happens you're like yes the cathartic of like yes it's finally here and it's done and yeah so but like with this if they just do it it's gonna be like the dc universe where they just rush everything and you're like 
yeah, I know who the, some of these characters are, but I kind of don't care. Right. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see where they go with that and if it actually takes off. Um, the other big show that ended this uh, we, past week but was... But we haven't talked about, which I feel bad about. And it's kind of because it was kind of slow moving. There's not a whole lot to talk about episode to episode unless you're going to go play by play, which we kind of don't usually do because we, we don't necessarily spoil things. Well, we do um, spoil things. Let's be <clears throat> honest there. But we don't... We don't do go play, play by, by play spoiler. Yeah. We just go, here's this bombshell, here's this bombshell, yeah. and then move on. So we talked about it originally when it first started. Yes. Um, it had some weak reviews from the reviewers who watched who watched the whole thing. And it's interesting because it seems like those reviews might have been mis- misplaced considering like the show kept coming out once every week. Well, that's what Hulu does. Yeah, and so like somebody who's been a reporter who binge watched the whole thing and gave like a quick, a quick uh, review of, hey, they traded their charm for just having celebrity, big celebrities in their show, kind of weakens it. But like, watching only murders in the building, after week after week, it built up to mm-hmm. some really good reveals and like really good, like cool. Uh, that's cool. So cool that they hinted this so hard that we missed it. Yeah, because it and, gives you time to breathe and think about yeah. each episode, which I like watching this show. As individual, uh, as individual uh, episodes. Yeah. So, uh, only murders in the building. Uh, mm-hmm. This season three was had a lot of star power. They had Paul Rudd. They had Meryl uh, Streep. Meryl Streep uh, in it, and uh, they also had Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick was also in it as well, and they had a cameo from. Uh, Mel Brooks himself yes and I love the fact that they had Mel Brooks in it and for this final well the second to last episode and the final episode uh, really hit home of what this season was which was spoiler alert the producers and it was great to see how they hinted at it throughout the show with Mel Brooks because he wrote and directed and produced the producers. Matthew Roderick was in the producers. They kept showing uh, for this season a lot of the producers that were helping um, Martin. <coughs> yeah, because the shorts character a lot, which normally you don't uh, see. Yeah, because the plot basically revolves around that Martin Short's character gets a second chance of doing another Broadway show after his horrible rendition of Splash that basically killed his career, which is mentioned, I think, in the first or second season. First and second. Um, basically, uh, he gets his chance to do a ridiculous uh, uh, Broadway production where called Death Rattle, where basically... Where it's just su- a play. Well, it's just a, it just starts out as a play, but the premise is that... The suspects for a murder are three triplet, in, triplet, triplet infants. Yeah. Which, even throughout the whole show, everybody's like, this is ridiculous, but they're going through with it. And then, it, it pays, man. And then after um, the murder happens, which is Paul Rudd's character gets killed and pushed down an elevator, mm-hmm. uh, basically, well, first he's poisoned, and then Trump comes back to life and realizes he didn't, wasn't, po- wasn't poisoned to death. And then he they find him pushed down an elevator shaft, which is what really kills him. Uh they ha- Martin Hat kind of has an epiphany after finding out the review for the show is terrible to turn it into a musical. So now we have a musical called Death Rattle Dazzle. Yeah. A musical <laughs> that 
is now about still about three murderous infants, infants which is still ridiculous. Well, it's a who done it for yeah. the play or sorry for the musical, which you still never found out. <laughs> yeah, they don't tell you like whole well, what's but what's really good about it is the same thing that was good about a theater camp where you have this ridiculous premise. They're singing these ridiculous songs, and they're you're getting bits and pieces of the kind of musical they're trying to put together throughout it, and it's like it still sounds weird and stupid, and you never think they're gonna follow through with it, but by the last episode they follow through, and like the musical numbers are really really good. Mm-hmm. Everyone gives it their all. Yeah, everything that they present is done really really well. Like you don't get to see the whole play in its entirety because it probably couldn't make that work with that right. concept, but. The musical numbers that they do show you are done really, really well and high end and come together really well. Uh, that I was amazed, like, wow, they actually went all the way through with producing those songs and making the stuff work, as well as doing this whole murder mystery. Mm-hmm. And like Courtney says, like, when we get to the point where they bring in Matthew Broderick to probably try to replace one of the actors and they're going through their bit with a bit there, which is a little comedic bit about how Matthew Broderick will railroad the show because he wants to make all these changes and all this. And he's talking to Mel Brooks about if Matthew was really like this on the producers. And then you realize after they kind of point the finger at the producers of the show being the actual murderers here. And so you realize, wait, they're hinting at the whole thing that Matthew Broderick, Mel Brooks, Nathan Lane was in the very first season they're trying to say the producers are the killers in this because it's like the movie with the producers who fuck up their own show to try and make it uh, more profitable without having to return investments, right? Yeah. Um, and that's what kind of turns out with, with the big... Uh, what, it, what it is is that the mother producer poisoned Ben to stop the show from going on uh, yeah. so that, in her words, that he has more time to either be replaced or do something to or make... Or prepare him more... <clears throat> Yeah, because basically she saw the review, or the early review, and saw it was terrible. So she wanted to tank the show and can't either get it canceled so that for therefore her son doesn't lose a reputation or any money over this bad show, or get rid of Ben and replace him with somebody that she thought was better. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out her son is the killer because Ben realizes he got poisoned and realizes that it that it was the mother producer who did it. And when he has this epiphany, he's talking to the son on the top floor of the, of the uh, building. Yep. And one of the elevators is broken and its door it's is open. open. And basically through like the scuffle of your mother's trying to kill me and no, she's didn't, she was an accident. That thing runs into a scuffle of him accidentally pushing Ben down the elevator shaft. Um, so like even throughout this whole thing of it being Loretta, who is Meryl Streep's character, thinking that Ben, it's going. It's that was, her that killed Ben. That Dicky. Well, they originally think Dicky, Ben's brother, killed him. Yeah. So that she then goes and takes the fall for him because that's because she's his actual mother that she gave him up for adoption as a child. Uh, um, so like she was going to protect Dicky by trying to take the fall for him. Luckily, they stop her from admitting to murder. Yep. To then the mother of the mother producer was going to take the fall for t- killing Ben to protect her son. It's where, all about mother's love. Yep. That's but the whole, really, whole thing comes it's about that. the producers not wanting to get fucked over. Yeah. So that's <laughs> the whole thing is that it was a nice twist that all these red herrings popped up. All the evidence was there. And it would make you think one thing to jump to another conclusion. Um, to like, you really do think Dickie may have done it. Dickie was the only child. Um, <clears throat> he was and, closest he, to Ben. Closest to Ben. 
Ben was adopted. Ben stole his ideas. Ben was not adopted. Dickie was adopted. Ben, ben, yeah, that's right. Dickie was and adopted. And Ben was the miracle child that the yeah. parents had. So then... And Ben stole Dickie's idea for his superhero. Yeah, so what made, what made Paul's real character famous was this Cobro superhero film series, which was a character that Dickie created as a child, but Ben took all the credit for it. Ben made all the movies and made Dickie be his assistant. To where Dickie felt he was trapped. So, like, they point all the clues and f- fingers to Dickie. Then it looks like it's Loretta. Then it's like Loretta's protecting Dickie. And then you have no idea who it is. And then, boom, you start seeing the th- pieces fall together that it's the producers. Um, really good. Uh, actually, really good murder mystery. And I think the early reviews of it being like, hey, it's not that great of a mystery. There's And that's like, I had no idea who was, who was guilty of this going through the whole thing until they finally give you the reveal. Yeah. And then I love at the very end, they lead into a, uh, to who's go, who they're going to follow for season four on in Only Murders in the Building, which I was like, ooh, this is a great freaking fake out. Yeah, so like at the very end, they're having a party celebration and everything. Yeah, a rap party. A rap party basically after the f- successful opening night. And uh, Steve Martin's character says, I'll go get some champagne. And then we see someone going to his apartment. It's they're dressed like him. It looks like his his like uh, his silhouette. silhouette. And then they get shot. And we think, oh shit! Somebody just killed Steve Martin's character, killed one of the main characters. But who else was at the party? Who showed up dressed like him? Is his stunt double from his stupid TV show? Yeah, who's dating his the ex girlfriend who was the murderer in the first season? Yeah, in the second season. <laughs> Um, she went into his apartment got to go get stuff, and she's the one that got shot. Yeah. So the next murderer is who killed the stunt double. Double who was trying, trying to, to kill, kill him. Um, that'll be real interesting to see when that comes out for season four. Mm-hmm. Um, that may be a little delayed because the actor's strike is still going on, but it looks like it's going to lead into something really great, and that should be a lot of fun to watch. Um, all three seasons of this show, the first season is probably by far the best, but all three seasons were... Really good murder mysteries. And a lot of fun. And a lot of fun going all the way through it. And they keep you guessing about who the killer is in all three seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited to see where it goes with season four. So if you're into like good whodunit murder mysteries, um, Only Murderers in the Building is a great uh, show to watch. It's on Hulu. So uh, check it out. Um, definitely worth a while. There's not been a really good murder mystery long story arc show like this in a long time in a long time yeah. a lot of time it's just procedural shows that's one mystery a week yeah. type of thing or yeah procedural <laughs> kind of detective or it's like super serious like true detective type yeah. shows so this one is really good definitely check it out lighthearted great yeah and so moving on the last show that ended wrapped this, up that wrapped up this week was wheel of time season two which so as we've been saying the second season of the show has been really really good pacing is pacing amazing. very well introducing new characters keeping everything on point and finally leads up to one of the big events that technically i believe happened mainly in the first in the first book and like some some of the, the events like again have, have were happening later on they're definitely retelling the story differently than what's in the books, like we've been saying. But it's all been making sense. It's all been flowing the right way. Um, so in this f- season finale, we get a lot of things to finally pay off. Um, 
if yeah, Gwen we get, do. If Gwen gets to gets to do what we've been waiting for her to do, which is basically kill her captors. Um, Perrin and Matt both have shown up to the city of Fall. And reunite. Reunite. Rand's there. Moraine and uh, Lan are there as well. And we're getting to the, the big finale that was kind of leading up in the first season, which is like, hey, they have this horn of uh, Valor that they got to uh, blow for the last battle. Um, and then what's been leading up this season that Rand has to declare himself the Dragon Reborn uh, to the world. And that's what this last episode builds up to is that announcement that this is the Dragon Reborn. He will save the world and um, defeat the Dark One finally type of, type of deal. Basically, prophecy is coming true. Yeah. Um, which, lots of action in this episode. Um, the only thing that's kind of disappointing is Nayu's character was basically useless. Yeah. I was hoping she would kind of redeem herself this yeah, like she goes end of this the... episode, but... She'll probably do that next season. Yeah, I, I mean, think. she goes through the arches in this season. Yeah. And is only apprentice to go through and be abandoned and then get a second chance to come out of the arches and is basically now, um, I guess what, it's not novice or is it? I forget what they like, call them. Yeah, I forget. But it's like she's a like, step up from yeah. the apprentice. Yeah, so she's like the next level up. Um, and like she's very determined to save her friends, which is how she always is. But like, She's been basically told this entire season, shut up and you don't know the fuck you're talking about, listen to me. Whether it be Elaine telling her that what you're going to do is going to get us all killed, or you're just going to get captured, or whether it was the other Aes Sedai telling her, hey, you need to shut up and listen to me, we know what's going on, you don't. That's been kind of like the whole shock to Naive is that she is a part of this, but like, she's holding her own, she has blocks that are holding herself back, which means she's going to have more character development next season. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but but I think the princess has helped her a lot, though. Yeah, and then this discover is... like, oh, I don't know a lot, and uh, when the princess gets hurt, she, the princess is the one like, okay, well, fall back on your old training to help, and let's yeah. go like continue on with our shit that we need to do. Yeah, and it's very much. Naive's been the weakest character in this season. Yes. Because she has, she doesn't go... She's the only one that's still blocked where... By the end of this, Perrin is not... I wouldn't say he's full wolf brother, but he's got, kind of figured out where he belongs, where... Yeah. Even the director said, like, hey, before you've seen him use a hammer, he's used axes. But by the end of this, he's given a shield, and he's found his place as a protector and uses the, sh and uses the shield mm -hmm. uh, when they're in the tower fighting Ishmael. Um, and then Matt, uh, finally knows his place. He was basically tricked by Ishmael on thinking that he's a bad person. He's always been a bad person. He should always choose, a, choose the bad route. They tried to make him, uh, reunite himself with that dagger, but he was smart enough to, uh, turn the dagger into a spear without having to touch it, break out of his jail cell and basically scare the shit out of Patton Fane who ran off running away. <laughs> yeah, that was such a great scene. <clears throat> and, but... Um, when they all meet up in the town squares, it's being attacked by white cloaks because this also brings up, yes, the white cloak army is still running around, but they are also now going to be portrayed as heroes in the world because the city asked everybody in the world for help because they were being invaded and, and everyone ignored except the damn white cloaks. And well, you'll say like the, the white tower sent Aes Sedai to investigate, but they did it secretly with spies and they yeah. didn't bother to show any open support um, because this was a group of people who were enslaving Aes Sedai and making them be 
weapons for them. Um, the Elaine's uh, family and kingdom, we don't not seen them yet, so we don't know why they haven't done anything. Mm-hmm. But nobody showed up to help them except for an army of white cloaks who invade the city and start taking out the attackers right when all this shit hits the fan. Um, and that's when Perrin and the Aiel show up and Matt uh, escapes. Um, and then they basically give uh, stolen the horn back and they give it to Matt to try and give it to yeah. Rand. The uh, ogre guy. Yeah. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> the people that... Are from Land City. From North. La- yeah. Were the ones that captured it and got it. And uh, the main guy that was part of that group was killed. Yep. Trying to get... Uh, help get the horn out of the city. Yeah, we're trying. We're because like, I don't know what their plan was necessarily. Just get out of the city, or they need it for the last battle. But then it's like, hey, open it up, give this to Rand. He's going to need it to fight Ishmael. But when Matt gets to the top of the tower, and there's a, a whole platoon of the enemy there, he blows the horn, and then realizes what all his past lives are, and that he is one of the ancient heroes. Mm-hmm. Just as all five of the friends are all once ancient heroes of some type. And the wheels are turning, just as Ran is Louis Theron. Um, you don't. They never really point out who, even in the books, who all the characters are supposed to be from their past lives, because they're not Louis Theron's friends. Because that's Ishmael, that's uh, Lanfear, who are his best friends in his timeline. Mm-hmm. But they are heroes of the past, and that's when Matt really realizes his purpose of not being this horrible person, being useless. And then, what was really cool is the heroes that show up are yeah old ancient heroes some of them we've never met but some of them are the people that had died fighting in the previous season or this season like some of them are the warders that died one of them is the bald-headed guy who got his with head the eye patch. with the eye patch who got his head pushed through the spike when they got captured yeah um he's the one that gives Perrin the shield um and shows up as a hero of valor and uh ends up fighting against uh the army that was great yeah it was See? great to see that like how it's depicted in the book is like this huge army shows up and the armies are fighting on the ground and in the sky Ishmael and Ran are fighting and that's how everybody knows Ran's the Dragon Reborn because they see his face in the sky. They obviously couldn't spend the money on that type of a battle and so like the warriors now who show up are like 10 to 12 who help Matt fight through this platoon to where Matt's about to kill Ishmael but doesn't realize it's delusion and still ends up stabbing Ran. Um, by accident. By accident. But luckily it was like kind of <clears throat> down and away from major arteries yeah. and stuff. And that, that's more towards them. But like one of the other big events that happened before all this is a Gwen storyline where she's been captured. She's yeah. a slave. Um, but like it's not just her breaking out of her bonds because she's so powerful and that she can overcome it and destroy them. Mm-hmm. It's that she figures out how everything works. Yes. And that the way I think the Darshani is what they're called are using... Uh, the slave uh, women who can use the one power is that they can wield it as well, but they are too weak to do it. So they're not picked up as people who can wield it. Um, and Egwene kind of puts that all together. And after the tower is hit with a catapult um, from the white cloaks and basically all the, I, all the slave Aes Sedai are dead uh, and the Dashi are dead as well, except for her, Egu- captor. her, her and her captor. Um, she gets one of the collars and puts it around her. And as the girl's like, you're stupid. This doesn't work on me. It fucking takes hold of her. And she's like, yeah, you could use the one power too. You're just so fucking weak. You can't use it normally. Mm-hmm. And basically before she kills her, she lets her know that her whole world was a lie. 
and yes. then chokes her the fuck out and kills her out kills her it was so satisfactory yeah. it that, was so great that was the one death this whole season you're waiting for like i want her to kill her i just want to see how she kills her and how she destroys her how she gets away <clears throat> and, and it's so satisfactory to see her basically she wins by using her brain yeah and, and it's and, like yes i love it and not only just kills her instantly like lets her know that your whole way of, of life and being and everything you know to your bone is been a lie and you, you don't know anything yeah and she's still pleading like oh come on let me go you can trust me and she's like no i said i would kill you and guess what i'm going to kill you yeah. and you're like yes do not feel sorry for her at all yeah and then after that instance of her killing her rand finally shows up at the tower mm -hmm. um his big entrance when he gets there was done really oh, well so good. it's there's like a kind of a bittersweet moment because the head of this the kingdom king or ruler of this army this lord who's invaded uh, shows up with his honor guard, sees Rand, sees that Rand has a hand-marked uh, blade, and literally calls out, oh, hand-marked blade, let's see what it takes to earn one on this side of the world, and gets ready for a sword fight stance, which could have been, they could have gone around with like, having this really great sword fight, but it's like, Rand does not know how to use a sword. He's only holding on to it because it's his keepsake of his father. Yeah. But Rand just fucking decimates him using the one power. <laughs> it's so good. And it's just like so well. It's like I don't have time for this shit and just kills him all it's immediately. So good. Which is also very satisfying. But like it's cool to see like this guy get ready for this stance and you're like, Cool, it's gonna be sword fight, but it's like, wait, our hero doesn't know how to use a sword. He's not How's he gonna win this? <laughs> like he's learned very, very little about sword fighting. Yeah. And then Rand has finally embraced the one power and just decimates that crew like it's nothing. Mm-hmm. Then he gets up to the tower, finds Egwene after she's killed her captor. Um, he's ready to fight Ishmael, but Ishmael kind of has like some plans in place because he's no, he's already even the Lanfer keeps claiming that she was still on his side. He's like, she's betrayed me, and he's already put plans in place to um, gentle Ran and get rid of Lanfear uh, in his own way and try and get his plans because his whole end goal is he wants to die. Or, like, just end, end, the end, end everything. And it's not clear exactly what happens to him at the end. Um, we'll get to that in a second. But basically, Rand faces him. They, uh, Dashahi and this enslaved uh, women from the boats uh, shield him, waiting for the signal to gentle him as they have this discussion. And he's basically reliving the discussion he had with Lewis there when he was being captured, which was that Lewis like, Hey, I don't, he's like, Hey, just kill me. And we'll do this again in another thousand years or so when, when we were born, uh, because Ishmael just wants things to end. And Lewis there said, no, I don't want to do this again. And it's, and imprisoned him instead to keep him basically alive. So, but not, but so he can't be reborn in the wheel and mm -hmm. they wouldn't have to deal with it ever again. Uh, that's what happened to all the Forsaken. He basically enslaved, not really enslaved, but imprisoned all of them so that they can't be reborn. Because killing anybody just means they're gonna come back again, yeah, with the same amount of power that they had, just not and not, the, and they'll sooner or later learn the knowledge that they once lost anyway. So this is kind of like a reverse of that situation of him saying, "Fine, uh, you're not gonna join me now. Let's do this again in, in another few years. Let me just kill you." Yeah. <laughs> um, but. Uh, Egwene stands up to him and is holding off Ish Ishmael's attacks and that's when 
Uh, no, that was before Matt. Well, yeah, Matt had already shown up and basically accidentally stabbed Ren as he threw a spirit at Ishmael and it was an illusion. Yeah. But Egwene gets, gets up, stands up to Ishmael, is holding back his attacks. Then Perrin shows up with the shield mm-hmm. he was given and he's protecting them. Um, while Moraine and Land, who have once again finally like re- reignited their bond as Warder and Aes Sedai, um, destroy the ships. <laughs> Yes. Uh, and kill everybody out there, which stops them from shielding Ran. Yep. To... And then the princess heals. Yeah. Uh... That's the first time Ran meets Elaine in this. Thank in you. That's this, her name. This realize that she, they sh- Naive and Elaine show up and she heals Ran's wound uh, from the dagger. Um, which is kind of weird because it's kind of like, it's still like black and fleshy. So I'm sure that'll come back to bite him in the butt later on. Yeah. But um, but for now he's for now he's healed. They he's unshielded. He walks up and he basically kills Ishmael by stabbing him with uh, the sword to the point where this does happen in the books where the crane's uh, seal gets burnt into his palm of his hand. Yep, and also the blade I noticed is melted off. Yeah, the blade's completely melted off, and then Ishmael basically turns to ash. Now I don't know if that's what I believe that's kind of what's supposed to happen when. You hit people with bale fire, which erases them from the wheel, so they're they're not going to be reborn. Or that's just how a forsaken dies: is that he'll turn to ash. They'll have to explain that if that's what they're meant to do later on. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, Ishmael's dead. Rand has decided not to join him. A Moraine basically summons a big giant fire dragon to declare that he's the dragon at the top of the tower. And you get this weird reaction because, like, the whole time the Aes Sedai are building up, like, dragon people who claim they're dragon are going to be evil. They're going to destroy everything. But when he claims he's the dragon and people see him, they're all rejoicing. And they're rejoicing yeah. the dragons were born, the dragons were born. So it's not like it's, they're just rejoicing that the that their captors are gone. They're, they're giving credit not to the White Cloaks necessarily, but to him. Yeah. Who was not leading an army. He basically snuck into the city and was trying to save his friends. And then... Uh, all this happens. He's declared the dragon. The whole world knows it now. Him and his friends are all standing there. They all play a part in this. Even Naive, who's not done anything really this <laughs> season, um, other than learn that she is not the eldest and cannot tell people what the hell to do. Yeah. Uh, because we still have other threats out there. That Lanfear is still out there. The Black Aja chick, who was the red, the red Aja, uh, I should die, is still out there. Um, kind of a post-credit scene. Uh. When Lanfear goes back into um, Ishmael's, room. Ishmael's room, all the seals are broken, and she discovers that be- uh, before, or kind of during the battle before he went to he Rand, freed the rest, he freed the rest. The rest of the Forsaken. Her plan was to take those seals and dump them in the ocean so they couldn't be free. And it's very clear that she's afraid of some of the other Forsaken. Uh, because Moraine has said in the past that, like, the Forsaken fight each other more so than they all fight for the Dark One. And, like, Ishmael has his plans, like, he just wants existence to end because he's tired of people always dying and reborn, being reborn and dying again. And that he'd just rather have nothing happen. Mm-hmm. We don't know what these other uh, Forsaken's goals are, per se. We know they don't like Lantrier. They don't like Lewis Theron. Uh, they made it very clear the one that was left in the room basically warned Lanfear, like, you come near us or near him again, we're going to kill you. And took off. So Lanfear, in this whole retelling, who knows, may end up becoming a, an ally because, you know, her whole motivation is that she just wants to be with uh, Ran. Yeah. 
that she's in love with him and that's all she cares about. In the end, if she can be if defeating or betraying her Osra not means that she can be with Louis Theron, she'll do that, period. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Even though Louis Theron never uh, loved her the way he loved his wife and his own family because he left her anyway. Um, so you have to see how that plays out because she's not going to be a full-blown ally. She can't be. No. But she obviously does not like the other Forsaken. The other Forsaken do not like her. Yeah. So she's going to be like an <clears throat> enemy of my enemy is my friend type situation or in certain situations. <clears throat> yeah. And she'll, I can see her. She'll just really betray them the moment she thinks she has the upper hand. Yeah. But man, her costumes throughout this entire season have been on point. They are beautiful and I want most, well, pretty much all of them. Yeah, uh, the costume design for everybody in here has been really great. The Aiel have looked really good, uh, yes. considering like they haven't shown a whole lot of them uh, or explained a lot of their background, which I think next season they definitely will. We'll get more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, the We'll see more of the Forsa- uh, these other Forsaken since all of them have been freed and they're all now in the world plotting and planning what they're going to do. We'll see if they all work together or if they don't. Um because technically they all swore oaths to the Dark One, so they got to do something to help progress evil's plans forward, right? Right. Um, but this is interesting to see that now the whole group is now back together. They all have embraced the different type of powers that they have or who they are. And we'll see where we go with uh, the next season. Uh, it has been renewed for season three. Mm-hmm. Uh What's all going to happen, we don't know, because it is being filmed outside the States, and I think... In Prague, I think I a lot of the actors, I don't know if a lot of them are American, so they may not be under the SAG contracts. So this could be being filmed and written just fine. Uh, we'll have to see where it goes from there. Um, but really good show. Uh, if you're a fan of the books, even though this is not an exact retelling, it's probably the best version of this you're ever going to get. Yes. So... Um, I think people should continue watching it. The finales for these shows or their big uh, reveal episodes, I think it was like episode seven in season one and then this episode finale really, really paid off. Mm -hmm. They really found their pacing with season two. I like to see where they go with season three and see how the rest of this pans out. Yes. Um, Such a great show. Definitely highly recommend it. Now on to stuff that just started uh, and we'll continue to be talking about. First is Loki, Loki, which is uh, one of my favorite uh, MCU TV shows. Yes. This and WandaVision were my favorites. Um, Season two started and it was It just picks right back up from where season one. Which is good because a lot of shows like they would like not have a time gap. Time gap or something and then they go back and retrace their steps about how they got somewhere. This is just exactly where it left off. It picks up. But then we have Loki doing what they're calling time slipping, where he's disappearing and reappearing inside the TVA at different points where they don't know who he is and where they do know who, who, who he is. And it turns out that he's time slipping into the past mm-hmm. and a little bit into the future of the TVA, of where it currently is. To where we ultimately see that Kang was once the obvious leader of the TVA, and then for some reason, wiped everybody's memory and put in the timekeepers as the rulers of it and not himself for some reason. Yeah. Whether that gets explained or not, I don't know if that really matters. But It doesn't matter, but it, I feel like they will dive into it because <clears throat> this show explains a lot and it will get to every explanation. Yeah, and they've really thought it out quite well where, like, where even when they get to the point where... 
he's with Mobius. Who knows who he is? They finally get they finally get everybody convinced and understand that hey, um, the timeline's out of control. There's no pruning him. Pruning it is destroying people's lives. We shouldn't be doing it. There's clearly one head leader of the TVA that wants to just continue destroying timelines or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And but the other ones are like, all right, fine. We're not going to do this. We're stopping all pruning at this moment. Um, because they're still trying to find where Sylvie's at. Because we have no idea what happened to her. We're all seeing this through Loki's eyes. He's just been kicked through a door and now sees that the timeline is crazy. So he knows that she's killed the he who remains. Uh, but when they end up in uh, like the R and D the room with uh, the guy who plays Short Round, yeah, uh, that's one of the cool sequences because. They're like, I don't know if this is. I've never seen this before. And then he time slips into the past and meets him there. And then he's having a conversation in the past that's then educating the guy in the present. What to do. What to do to talk to Mobius. Where it's like, oh, well, I need this. And he's like, well, do you have one? Like, no, I don't have one. It's like, oh, wait. But, oh, wait, I do have yeah, one. Because Loki's Luke, <laughs> in the past. Time, well, let's make, let's build this thing. Um all the way to the point where basically they explain that Loki is jumping back and forth and he needs to prune himself and then be extracted from the timeline into the present so that he can finally stop moving around. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the big goal at the end of this episode is not, hey, we got to find uh, Sophie or we need to stop the time the different timelines from branching or we need to stop these people from trying to prune it. It's we need to fix Loki so he stays in one spot. Yep, stays in one spot, then we can focus on everything else, yeah. which is great. And it's great I that Mobius it. is the one like, no, 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 we got to do this. Stop complaining about what he remains and all this stuff. We got to fix you first. Exactly. One problem at a time. <clears throat> um, done really, really well uh, mm-hmm. to the point of um, basically he finds, he ends up, the last time slip he does, he does it into the future of the TVA. And, and it's chaos. It's chaos. And he finds uh, Sylphie there. Yes. In the elevator shaft. And she's like, oh, I've been looking for you. But as moment he's right there to, to grab her or try or and help talk her, to her, he gets pruned, which is he, he's been spent the whole time trying to find a light stick to prune himself so he can get pulled out because he only has a short time window to do it. Um, and then Morbius pulls him out of the timeline uh, thread and brings him back to safety. The big mystery is, hey, who pruned him? What happened? What was going on there? My total theory is that he pruned himself there. Like, he ends up back at that point, prunes himself, and then the last episode will be what's happening there. Yeah. Or an episode in the future will be that. Um, But it's really good because, like, everything was thought out very well so we could follow what was going on and what needs to happen in the future and maybe who you can trust, who you can't trust. Um it's basically catching Morbius all up to speed in this one episode. It was done yes. very, very well. So I'm excited to see more of it. Me too. And that's on <clears throat> Disney Plus on Thursdays? Yeah, every Thursday should be a new episode of Loki. If you haven't watched the first season, watch go it. watch it. It's really, really good. Again, WandaVision and Loki are the two best... Strongest. TV shows that they've made for the MCU. Um. And if you like time travel stories and time travel mysteries, Loki is right up there with you with that because that is like one of the best, really cool time travel timeline mysteries. It sets up uh, Kang, which unfortunately he he honestly has one of the best villain intros in all the MCU. Whether or not the villain actually lives up to that intro doesn't. We're like Thanos is just hinted at. You see what he looks like, and only people who knew who he was got it. But Thanos had a great. 
villain presence, but not a good villain intro. Right. Kang has a really great villain introduction, but I don't think he's going to have a good villain presence. Yeah. Or, like, even a th- be a great villain threat where, like, Thanos, like, was a villain that half the people are like, yeah, he was right, and other people are like, no, he was wrong. Mm-hmm. Everything's like, yeah, Dynasty of Kang is fucking stu- evil and every- and they need to be destroyed. But does it now need to go to, like, how it was before the He Who Remains? Or will the Avengers, the Marvel heroes, destroy them? Mm-hmm. We'll figure out how, th- how that happens. So I'm excited to see where Loki goes. Um, it'd be interesting if they bring this to a few different seasons and then go to a movie with it. Who knows? I don't know what the Marvel's big plan is because, like, there's um, phase, like, five, six and all that stuff feels like it's kind of falling apart. Yeah. Just because people's interest isn't there it's for It's falling off. And don't blame them. I much prefer these shows now over the movies. Yeah, it'd be good if, like, hey, give the movies a break and just concentrate on making great TV. Yeah, <clears throat> that would be what's really would be really exciting to see some of this stuff play out in TV. But Loki, definitely as good as the first season so far. Definitely check it out. You'll if you like the first season, you'll like this. Tom Hiddleston and um, Owen, Owen Wilson. Wilson do a great job. They're um, a great buddy cop yeah, duo together. Duo. I would love to see them do more. It's just a great, great show. Yes. Um, so definitely check it out on Disney Plus. Now, our final show that came out this week was season two of Our Flag Means Death. Yay! If you haven't seen Our, my, our Flag Means Death, basically it's a comedy romance story about Steed Bonnet and Blackbeard. Uh, basically, it starts off in season one with like Steed Bonnet wanting to be a pirate. And trying to figure that and out. Figure, and the comedy of, a, of, of an imbecile gentleman of the time period trying to figure out how to be a pirate to... F- meeting up with Blackbeard, learning how to be a pirate, and then Blackbeard and him falling in love with each other. And ultimately, kind of having a falling out and breaking up. <laughs> or yes. Going on a break <laughs> at the end of it, um, to where season two just came out, and they released three episodes to kind of, like, complete this little The arc. dark arc of this uh, show. Yeah, because basically they don't want to spend a whole season on, hey, here's them dealing with the breakup. And more, I think they want to spend the whole season with, here's them get, trying to get back together while dealing with all this other crazy shit that's happening yes. at the same time. Because <laughs> they keep fucking <clears throat> up. <laughs> yeah. So basically, the first three episodes, we're seeing that Blackbeard has gone f- completely fucking bonkers. So they're even the point where his crew is like, yeah, we were at a wedding. That was kind of over the line, right? <laughs> <laughs> that was and not knowing what they were doing, should they be doing yeah, it? Yeah, as they're eating the wedding cake. <laughs> yep. Um, to him taking more toes off of his, his first mate, Izzy, to him shooting Izzy in the leg and Izzy losing his foot. Yeah. Um, to Steed Bonnet, like, yeah, he, at the end of the season one, he's like, I'm going to be a part, I'm going to find Edward and we're going, um, we're going to be together, but like, has not been able to do that. Um, for whatever irrational fears he may have, whether it's going to be that he thinks Ed wants to kill him or Ed doesn't care about him, blah, blah, blah. Um, bunch of like hilarity ensues with like the leftover crew, which is like a mix of Steve Bond's original crew. Half of them are with Ed, Ed and, and the, the other, other half, half are with Steed, and they end up joining this crew of the of a oh, female pirate who is the queen of pirates, who's uh, <clears throat> t- who took over China, yeah, and now she's coming over into the Caribbean, and we see, and there's a scene where we see, um, 
that she's bringing over, it looks like, more ships, like almost an armada to come invade the Caribbean uh, over land. Because we see um, some ship crew members that we never seen before pulling a ship. And it's clearly um, she's bringing over more ships to take over this area. Yeah, she's clearly, like, she, in one of their talks, like, she's being really impressed by her negotiation skills of, like, taking, stopping a uh, captain from trying to kill himself to him joining her crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's played by Rubio Kwan. She's Zhang Yi Sao, the Queen of Pirates. Um, and she basically uh, is clearly convincing all the pirates to join her so that they can take on the English, the Dutch, and the Spanish all at once. Yeah. That's clearly what's going on. But she's also following the footsteps of Blackbeard where she fell in love with one of Steed's mates. Yes. The the big black guy who's like yes. everybody's like a little friendly advisor. And so like she starts like trying a relationship with him and just when they start kicking it off, Steed and his crew escape because they found uh their the, old ship. They found the old ship, the revenge, they found that uh, Blackbird Blackbeard uh took over. Yeah. They found the ship, they were looking for uh Edward uh Blackbeard. Um and basically they end up finding that Blackbeard is in the basement of the ship, the crew, what we think may have smashed his head in with a cannonball because he tried to kill them all. Um, which makes sense. They it's were, fair. They were, they were it's very, very fair. Right to like, we're fucking done with this shit. Um, but they steered escaped. us into a fucking storm and yeah. destroyed the wheel. So we have no way to get out of here. Yeah. So Steed and his, and his crew destroy the wheels of her ship escape over to the revenge and take him with her with them uh even when he just got done telling her, i don't know what's going on i don't know they're escaping he didn't know they were escaping but the last thing she sees is he is that he's, <laughs> he's on, on board. the revenge and with the crew cheering and them leaving and he and, just gives a sad little wave <laughs> yeah so literally they set it up to where all right now you're gonna have the queen of the pirates, queen after, of pirates you. after you who has a whole armada of ships they're going to have the English after The them. English, the Spanish, and the Dutch are going to play a role in here somewhere. Um, and Blackbeard is and Steve Bonnet are going to try and fix their relationship after Blackbeard's done all this horrible, horrible shit to try and cope with with, uh, with a breakup. Yeah. Um, and almost killing his entire crew in the process. Uh, it's been really funny. The characters all throughout it are all done very, very well. Wonderful. They Wonderful. all they all hit their beats perfectly. When they get kicked out of like, uh, I forget the black part's name. Uh, oh, the uh, Jane's, bar owner. Yeah, I think it's Jane or whatnot. They get kicked out of Jane's oh, bar. So they're going to try and live under a bridge, and then it starts <laughs> raining. And he's like, "Oh wow, great running water." <laughs> oh yeah, Black Pete. <laughs> yeah, Black Pete. Black Pete's so adorable. All the characters are. hilariously done well um it's definitely not a show for everybody because like you're not who you don't want to see a pirate low story i can see like you may not enjoy this but like this is done hilariously it's done very well um the love feels genuine yeah it's like seeing oh somebody go into a a toxic relationship well it wasn't even toxic it was like a toxic person gets into a good relationship is told it's bad and then is completely upset by it and goes in a downward spiral of yes. craziness uh, in these first three episodes, at least. I'm excited to see where they go with the next. We're now past that because the whole season of 
just that would be kind of boring. Mm-hmm. Now that we're past Blackbeard being crazy and sadistic and mean to his crew, and Steve Bonnet's back in his life, we'll get to see how they try and mend that, as well as dealing with all the shit they just brought down on themselves. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> basically everybody's going to be trying to kill them. Um, yeah. <laughs> or they're just trying to hang out. <laughs> um, it's on HBO Max. Definitely check it out. First three episodes are out now. Uh, should be a new episode every Thursday. Moving forward. Uh, so right now it's going to be um, Loki and uh, Our Flag Means Death. Um, if anything else pops up. <clears throat> we we'll... still got to finish uh, Castlevania. We have f- oh, that's right. That. Um, so maybe we should do that this week too. Yeah, and then if there's any other shows that pop up, we'll be talking about that stuff. Yeah. As well as some games or whatnot in the future because Alan Wake should be coming out soon. We'll see how the public reacts to that. Um and the Activision uh, Xbox deal is supposed to be completely finalized. On the 13th, right? <clears throat> yeah, the 13th. Friday so the be, 13th. So it should be this week that should get done, and we should see where they go from there. All right. Uh, that's our show this week. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Have a great day. Oh, and don't forget to check out all of our socials on Instagram. Uh, X, I guess, is still a thing. X, Twitter, yeah. Yep. Uh, Twitch, find us at www.nerdcrusade.com. We have our podcast every Tuesday. Uh, and any other stuff will be coming out usually on Tuesdays or Wednesdays as we go through. Uh, we still have finished playing through a Phantom Liberty. Do you have mm-hmm. a full review on that? That's going to take some time because that has some new endings to the whole game. So I basically have to rebeat uh, Cyberpunk. Oh, um, that should be easy, yeah. right? <laughs> well, we'll get there when we get there. That's true. Um, so... We'll be back with more of that. Check out our stuff. Be sure to like and subscribe. Find our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts at, on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, and whatnot. We are there. Nerd Crusade. Uh, Check us out, and we'll see you next time. Bye.